does sound kind of gay. <laughs> I just want to let you guys know that we think we have found a workable solution to our previous remote recording problem. Yeah, it's not going to sound perfect, but if you don't like it, then... Uh... Tough shit? Yeah, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, we have no money to do this, and we have very little skills. However, um, our guest today, who will be on shortly, helped us uh, with some technical kinks, and we got ourselves a fancy-schmancy microphone. Um, and it does sound better than the Ray episode... But everything's going to. Because it's right. Because it's right. Because it's right. Hey, kids. Welcome back to another titillating episode of Was It Good For You? Uh, the show where Kaylee and I dissect modern dating. Today, uh, we have our friend May as a guest. We are very, very excited to have May. Uh, because up till now, all of our guests have been straight white men. Uh, and May is not. Uh, May. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of demographic you fall into. Uh, well, my label had changed a few times over the year, but currently I have settled for an Asian queer person. So we're going to go with that. And hi, May. Thank you for coming on. Hi. Uh, hi. We had talked about you coming on the show initially in person. So it's a bit unfortunate we can't do that for now. Um, but yeah, you have been a guest that we've wanted to have on since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very excited. Um, I guess what do you have a preferred pronoun? Um, I don't really have a preferred pronouns. Um, I'm happy to go with he or she, um, most people usually use he, him with me. Um, so for the purpose of this episode, I think let's just stick with that. Sure. Um, so May, um, so you, Denise, and I all met in a shared community. So we've had time to chat as friends outside of the podcast, and we've kind of had um, like some stories about your dating perspective. And one thing that you said before that I thought was really interesting is that you said that dating for gay people, and I, Denise and I had, I couldn't remember if you said queer people or gay people, but anyway, you said dating happens in reverse. Can you talk oh, yeah. to that a little bit? Yeah, so like I, I used to call it like the gay order. So you, <laughs> you know, like you, you watch like I watched rom coms a lot, not right. all place, but like you know, there's like the whole courting and like meeting and like having that sparks and falling in love, having the first kiss and then having sex. Like you know, that's like the three days call back and and then sex or whatever. And that's like that is not reflective of my experience because that's a like gay person going on grinder to like look for love, which by the way, I've learned my lessons. Um, <laughs> it's always start with sex. Like unless you're willing to put sex on the table, it's just not gonna happen. So like, I feel like a lot of the really common story is that like you start off having sex with this person and sex was so good that like both of you wanted to have it again the second time. So you kind of evolve into like friends with benefit. And then, and then your relationship kind of grow from there. And it's like, oh, I have this guy that I like, you know, have sex with on a regular basis that I'm like developing relation, like uh, emotion for um, or a relationship with. And then that kind of grow into a friendship and then kind of grow into a partnership. And then 
And then the love kind of come after all of that. So it's, just, it's a very interesting um, dating experience because in some way you're, you're really presenting your most vulnerable part kind of almost upfront, like sex, right. you know, and you kind of, you, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into from like the sex perspective and, and then the emotion kind of come after that. It's yeah. really interesting because Denise and I have talked about how in straight relationships, once you sleep with a guy, his behavior becomes so much more shitty. It's like <laughs> they've gotten what they want. So now they can be who they were, who they, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it comes off like that. I guess a lot of the time, I think that's a, it's a pessimistic way to put it, not to say that that hasn't happened to both of us, but I like the way you put it before that when you sleep with someone, there's just, there is a shift in dynamic. Yeah. Like just think whether it's for worse or whether it's for the better things just kind of change. So may for you, like the first time you sleep with somebody, it, could you ever go back to just being friends with that person and just have it be like, meh? Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Or, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know how much of it I would attribute to like my intrinsic like value versus how much of it is just like that's my reality. Like if I don't do this, then I don't have gay friends. Oh, so if you refuse to be friends with people you'd slept with, there wouldn't be enough men left. Okay, so give a little bit of background to the listeners. Like I, I have moved from where I've met Denise and and Kaylee to another city. So I'm in Vancouver now. Um, and one of the reasons, because there wasn't a huge LGBTQ community in Victoria, and I I have barely ever come across another queer person or gay person, especially like through our CrossFit, like we CrossFit together. And, and like in our CrossFit gym, there are like limited number of queer people um, that I've come across. And so the only way for me to meet them is usually through Grinder. And as part of meeting them through Grinder, the condition is that I'm willing to have sex with them. So ah. I, I I do believe that like unless I was kind of like sexually open to some extent, I would never be able to kind of like make that connection with people because I wouldn't I wouldn't have any other gay friends. I wouldn't have an right. avenue to meet gay friends otherwise. So yeah. Have you ever met, like, have you ever gone on a date that wasn't initiated on Grindr or another app? No, you know what? And I am mad about it because <laughs> I I had this thing, I guess, like, again, from, like, rom-com movie. I had this thing in my head that I would, like, you know, it's like looking at the grocery store, buying my, like, whatever, and then just kind of, like, meet some cute boys and, like, we go on dates together. And then I have a story to tell, like, yeah, we meet at this, like, safe on food, you know. Um, <laughs> we bumped into each other and I spilled my papers and you helped me pick them up. Yeah, like a, like a real meet cute, right? Yeah. And, like, never happened. And you know what is, like, the worst part is I love I love lining up for things because I love chatting with random strangers in line. And you think that I would like meet so many people, but like, nah, never happened to me. So it is, and I also mad, I'm also mad that like I have friends who constantly, constantly remind me how they knew other gay people, but also refuse to introduce me to them. 
<laughs> night well denise and i kind of get that too though like if someone knows like an eligible bachelor they're not like scrambling to introduce I us <laughs> obviously no one we know has ever tried to set us up with anyone so either for or they think we're incredibly unsuitable for anyone that is <laughs> may do you think and this is going to be kind of on a side note but do you think that part of that is that um, some of the people that you meet on Grinder aren't out in real life. Like, do you think it's harder to make some of the connections that you would make without an app just because of that? Um, well, I mean, there are some number of people who are looking for, I mean, you know, like it just, you, you never match with everyone that's on the app, right? So, you know, it's, it's right. down a little bit to statistic games, but I, I do want to preface that there are, a number of people that aren't eligible to me or me to them, um, not because we weren't sexually attracted to each other, but also like circumstantial, like you said, they're not out. Um, or I have some who are on the app looking for, um, like, I've actually met lots of married guys on Grinder and ended up having sex with a number of them as well. Uh, and, you know, those people are really like, we're just meeting for sex and it were never going to develop into a relationship. Like there was no hope for me to enter into like a long-term exclusive relationship with them from the outside. Right. And, mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, for the lack of not trying or, or that like, you know, a, a standard set of circumstances that straight people might have. Like this circumstances that I find myself in on Grindr sometimes are just the fact that like this kind of dynamic is not common. So I've had sex with like husband who wanted to try, you know, having sex with another man or wanted like a third in their bedroom or, right. or whatever, whatever fantasy or sexual fantasy I've been approached for and some that I've taken upon. And it just, yeah, it, it really does dwindle down the number because it's not like, because now I'm being approached by straight men who are married, um, doesn't mean that the number of people that are sexually attracted to me have increased. Like this is simply going on top of everything else. So. Right. Yeah. Have you heard any stories of two closeted people seeing each other on Grindr and that's how they got outed? Or is it like an unwritten rule that if you see someone you know and you you know and you they present to the world as straight, but now they're on Grinder, is it there an unwritten rule that you keep your mouth shut? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a respect thing, and and I think this is true for um, for both people who are and aren't out. Uh, well, I mean, like you know. I think this this one is I think beyond grinder. Even if you have like a friend who you know that like have come out to you, like generally you don't you don't go gossiping around about right. it because the ramification of being out. Like I know it seems almost kind of like cartoonish evil to hear about these days, but it does still happen. Like it it can impact people like in a very very negative way to be out unexpectedly. What okay, but. Isn't there a degree of, 
if you really don't want people to know you're gay, why the fuck are you on Grinder? You know, people do a lot of bad and terrible things. <laughs> so, like, maybe, maybe they shouldn't be on Grinder. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to separate this to two, two different categories. That's like the one that like never come clean and they lie. They tell me that they're emotionally available. That like they would go out on dates with me, um, and let me on to believe that this could develop into something. And then it was really just sex and they're not even out yet. And then I get a weird text message the next day that like, oh, please don't talk about this. Oh. Oh. And that's terrible. And and I don't think those people should be on Grindr, not because they're not out. They shouldn't be on Grindr because they shouldn't be out there lying to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice if there was like secret Grinder for like <laughs> discreet Grinder, right? There would be like people who are open yeah. and people who... You know. Well, is it a part of your profile to say if you're out or not? Oh, that would yeah, be like there is an option to say that you're discreet or not oh. discreet. Okay. Yeah. So what and, else is on your profile that's prompted? Like age, location? Um, I mean, like, I don't have Grindr installed anymore, so I can't like check for sure, for sure. But if I remember correctly, that's like, like age, location, race, height, weight, body type, quote unquote, which I never really figured out what mine is. Um, and there is kind of like your last test, like a STI testing date. Um, you're oh, that I is not on straight That's, but like it's, it makes so much sense it would be, that it would be on gay apps. So I, I definitely like really appreciate the, the thing that like Grindr and Scruff, which is the other gay dating app, um, does well. Um, over other like straight hookup apps, and I'm um, I'm specifically say hookups because like maybe sex is something that you discuss between the two of you, and no, and it's not necessarily need to be advertised on your profile. But um, HIV status, last STI testing dates, and then your safe sex practices. So you can choose like you prefer oh. condom. You are on prep, like I am on prep, but I also prefer condom as well. You know, so you can kind of like put it out there that like. If you have sex, you gotta be okay using condom with me, or you have to be on prep if you're not using condom. So, like, and it, then, it, what is prep for people who might not know? Yeah, prep is a preventative medication that you take currently on a daily basis. It's just like a pill um, to prevent you from catching HIV. And it is um, well, depending on where you are, but in BC, if you um. If you are a lifestyle, yeah, they'll do like a criteria kind of like test on you. And then if you're qualified, you can actually get them for free. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the criteria is essentially if you're a man and you're a bottom, you qualify. Wow. But yeah. if you're a female sex worker, it's, it's no, you probably won't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's wild. I wonder but, how much it is if it's not paid for. Oh, it's expensive because the, the PrEP medication is actually an HIV treatment medication that they're just using like this and, you know, like thousand bucks a month maybe. And does it, it have side effects? It's really expensive in the States, but it is super cheap in Australia and Thailand. So I really think the medication itself is not that expensive to manufacture. Oh, medication uh, never is expensive. Manufactured. Um, yeah, because I think like, that was, I remember reading the news about it in Australia. It's like $8. Wow. And does it like, 
like affect you adversely in any way or is it just like First, not really. Like I do have to take this part of the program. I'm also having, I'm also kind of like essentially a test subject for them, for the program. So I have to get my STI testing done every three months. I have to get my blood test done every three months and they are monitoring how my body's changing. So like specifically for people out there who are interested and are also an athlete who take creatine. Mm. Uh, I have creatine in my pre-workout. my prep doctor would constantly bring up my creatine level um, <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I take my daily creatine. So you, whatever results you're seeing, you're going to have to like adjust it for the fact that I'm like on this supplement <laughs> for my crossfitting. Um, but like they, they are monitoring you very closely. I have to go in every three months. So. Oh, wow. Um, and so May, I have a couple of questions. And so one of them, can you just explain the difference between grinder and scruff? Because grinder is like a pretty well-known name, but something I didn't know about until you told us. Okay, well, um, let's let's go with um, like I think the theoretical answer, and then I'll I'll speak to it in practice after. Um, theoretically, grinder is kind of like a general gay dating app, um, and the advertising that they do seem to be catered toward kind of like a classic good looking model type like if, if you look through like grinder advertising it's always kind of like sort of um kind of not over muscular but like muscly in in oh shape smooth young guy yeah. i think scruff as the name kind of imply most of the model and marketing materials are geared more toward like Bigger, burlier, hairier, beardy. So grinders for twinks and scruff is for bears? In some sense, yeah. That, I guess, is kind of accurate. <laughs> 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 yeah, grinders for twinks and scruffs are for bears. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in, in practice, those things are true. But on top of that, grinder is also um very very majorly white like mm. being a poc person especially like when i first moved to vancouver and i, I was specifically looking for poc gay friends and then I, I decided to go on grinder to try to find those things as i mentioned so you're looking um, for friendship on grinder i tried and I have. No. I actually met a few friends off of Grinder before. Like I have one friend in Vancouver. I have met during the Pride Week um, in 2018 before I moved to Vancouver, and we had kept in touch. He came out to Victoria to visit me a few times, and I've come over and in, in Vancouver and um, visit him a few times when I'm here and. Um, we kind of kept that sort of friendship going and now we're like really good friends. And in fact, he was my quarantine buddy for like a couple of months. Aww. Yeah. So like I have met a friend, but anyway, to get back on topic though, like Grinder is very white. Okay. Um, and the only people that seem to talk to me on Grinder are generally people who fetishize Asian mm. people. Like, 
like so we you, have a strong read. Like usually it's like older gay white men who have like Asian fetish approaching me, and like you can spot them from a mile away because the way they talk to you, like there is not a lot of respect there. Um, um, so one thing that you had brought up um, before we started recording, and something that my friend Rhonda's brought up as well in his experiences with um, Grinder profiles is that people are really racist, like in their profile very blatantly. Oh, um, yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit, like with your experience? Yeah. Um, the one, the, so the, the full, the, the full um, cached phrase, I guess, for the lack of a better term, that, that you would see is usually, I'll say, no fat, no femme, no rice, no spice. It's the one that like I usually see. So like no fat as in like, you know, no fat people. Uh no femme as in like no sort of like overly feminine person. Like I, I would say I'm probably too femme if that put a marker somewhere. I have been told that I'm too femme by some people before. Um no fat, no femme, no rice, so that's no Asian. And then no spice is no South Asian. So usually like Indian or like um, Arabian, um, South Asian people generally, yeah. That's awful. And and that is something that's enough. You gotta give it that, you gotta give that to them. But that, I can't imagine seeing something like that from a straight dude. Like I- I can't imagine, uh, yeah, like going on Tinder and a guy's like, no black chicks. I would- shit myself that's... or even even no fatties like you, you get you get crucified yeah you can't say it you can think it but you can't say it like i can't believe that people get away with that in the gay community because like i will say I, like, I, I think it's gauche <laughs> i wish it's not a thing like i wish people are open to like you know giving everyone a try like you you don't like i don't know maybe i'm kind of a hoe but like you know you gotta <laughs> you gotta keep kissing Stopping until you find the right person. Um, <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I, I think it's it's. I guess it's an interesting balance between saying no fat, no femme, no rice, no spice is shitty and racist. But at the same time, it's totally fair to be attracted to what you're attracted to and not attracted to what you're not attracted to. So like, but you have to get that tact. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. Sorry, uh, that that is a very interesting point. But let me finish my last thought, uh, real quick. Um, while I I wish that people would be more open to different experiences, I do like when people be upfront like that because then I don't also waste my time. Fair enough. So so yeah. usually when I see people who put something like that, I would immediately block them, and then it's no longer my problem. <laughs> so. So does Grinder work in the sense that you have is it like Tinder where you match with the person or is it a No, person? you get a grid of people based on distance. Oh. So you can pull up and like this happened a few times where like I'm at a large gathering, like at a party, at a movie, at a concert, or even at lecture halls. I pull up Grinder and there is someone who's like fifteen feet away from me. <laughs> so Whoa, whoa, like, I guess they're like right here somewhere. <laughs> See, they, they can do 15 feet. The technology exists. Why can't the Tinder people get on this? I would yeah, but you just get a grid of people sorted by their distance from you. Um, and it's 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 kind of funny to like pull it up. It's just kind of like, I wonder who's around here. 
Um, so you find Scruff to be less racist than Grinder? Is that? I, I do find Scruff to be less racist and also like less snobbish. And 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 I think that maybe speak a little bit to the way the marketing kind of work as well, because I think Grinder really go after sort of like that um rich fit white gay dudes look like if you look at the marketing materials like if you ever like get check, like check out their website check out their ads or whatever on the twitter like it's all like rich fit white dudes it's like their main marketing materials yeah and then like in the scruff like at, at the very least i find that marketing materials attempt to be more inclusive like they do have like a bigger black models um when like not very many Asian models, but like, I think it, it does try to be a little more inclusive. Um, that being said though, not to say that the bear community doesn't have problem because I think the bear communities also have a lot of like, um, fat phobia, a lot of racism problem within the bear community, but speaking to Scruff itself, I have better experience on Scruff. Um, but I wanna get back to Denise's uh, comment um, about how you can help who you find attractive because I have had this conversation with a number of people about beauty standard. Like generally who you find attractive came largely also from what is the beauty standard. And when you live in a society where only white people exist in media as beauty standards, a lot of your attraction is influenced by that like what is considered desirable by society you do inherit a lot of that as well um so there's there's kind of like a few things that probably could be said about about questioning why you find certain things attractive is it because you intrinsically like it or is it because you've been told that that's a good thing and I, I agree. I, I, I think discounting whole groups of people based on like, you know, like I know Asians, that's ridiculous because no matter, like there are tons of super hot Asian guys out there. So if you're discounting a whole race based on whatever fucking reason it is, that's stupid. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Just like just be open to experiences. Go give it a try. Like the worst that could happen, especially for girls, is to get free coffee. So Oh no, no. That's not the worst that could happen. Really? So you could get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> this has come up before that with men, worst case scenario on a date, if she laughs at you with women, you might get murdered. <laughs> okay, sure, fair enough. It, yeah. could, it could be a lot worse. Sure. Yeah. Um, just a quick question. So Grinder and Scruff, from my understanding, are both free apps, right? And then uh, is there like paid fancy gay apps or? Well, I mean, you can pay for Grinder and Scruff as well. And it does unlock features. Right. Like Tinder does that too. Yeah. So like, like you can unlock to like see more people, um, unlock to filter certain ways. So you can like filter people by their age, by their height, by their body type, by whatever, whatever. Um, and one of which is also, I kind of want to bring up briefly is filtering people by race. 
which is a very controversial features that kind of like we have discussed that I think it's it's not a good thing that people are being filtering out um, on the dating app for their race. And so there, there have been some noise about some dating apps are removing the ability to filter people based on race because that's kind of racist. Yeah, what is? And, and that's like, I guess that's kind of my point. Like filtering out, like don't show me any people of X race is very clearly racist, but people can still argue that, well, preferences are preferences, but yeah, your preferences are fucking racist. But yeah. okay, but just to play devil's advocate though, what if you were in a culture where it was very, very important to you to date someone who was in the same culture? I get that. And that's why I, I wouldn't like, from practicality, like, I mean, the culture is racist. Like, to be clear, sure. like, to totally. say, like, you can only date someone from our own culture is a racist thing to say. Sure. But I understand that from practicality, there are traditions, there's family, like a lot of family hangs up involves and all that stuff. Like I, right. I one of the reasons why I never like approach and reprimand people for like, you know, being that way. I'm just kind of like, I just, I don't want anything to do with it. And I just block them. I don't, I'm not the type that it's like, that is the racist thing to say on your profile. You shouldn't do this shame on you. Like, I kind of never really approach it from that perspective just because I understand that like it's it's a complex and like messy yeah. thing and, and it's from my perspective I just easier to choose not to engage and then I just don't. It's still really interesting though that people can get away with that in the gay community and they just could not get away with that in the straight community like why isn't that called out? in a wider oh, it is being it is being called out and and a lot of the time it's just the reality is capitalism cater to those with money and the white gays have the money <laughs> so like if you look at like socioeconomic demographic like you'll kind of understand why it is how it is right i mean i guess that makes sense it's just really depressing like yeah. I, it, it is kind of depressing but i i I hate it and I get it at the same time. Yeah. Like in intercultural relationships are very difficult. And I think you're more likely to, I guess, click with someone who shares your values and, and morals and all that stuff. And you might be more likely to find that in someone who grew up in the same culture as you. So on one hand, that that makes sense. Like personally, I am very unlikely to be compatible to date someone who grew up in a very religious household. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it makes sense for me to say, well, I don't want to, I don't even want to look at the religious guys because the chances of finding a match are just so tiny. It's, it's not worth the effort. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like, and, and I think, I, I think the most realistic ways to like try, try to remind yourself that like an entire culture is not, um, a like there's no such thing as uniform culture. Like even not all gay people think the same. Not all Asian people think the same. Not all Asian people are religious. Not all white people are religious. Not all Christian people are anti-gays. So, so I think it's kind of also important to um, to be open that like if someone you know call themselves Christian maybe. Um, that I don't think that they just hate gay people and want me crucified, you know. Right. Um, and and 
to kind of, and, and and to speak a little bit more on like um getting along i i think i think i would call that like an, an easy relationship because you have so much in common you're standing so close together already in in your like value and moral compass that you would have an easy relationship but i don't think it is impossible to have a successful relationship where you don't necessarily agree on everything well no yeah it's, it's certainly but, possible but yeah. I think it's with a lot more apps, work though dating apps are all about working the odds right yeah like, you yes want, you want to focus your attention on people you're more likely to have a connection with and get along with so like what do you do to try and narrow that down? like what is a reasonable thing to do to try and narrow that narrow that down and what is not a reasonable thing to do to try and narrow that down? It's they're tough questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it really honestly, and I, I will have to say, like, I personally think that gays are doing it better in this regard. Not not to throw shade at all the straight people, but like no, I think they're doing it a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I, I think communications, um, when it comes to gay dating is a lot more important and a lot less are being assumed like you always like like you always have to have these kind of conversation with your partner you know like are you out to everyone are you out to your family um what is the boundary you know like even even sex like i feel like consensual sex in gay space um it's definitely like a little bit more complicated because like you know are you a top are you a bottom you know like it's not, there's no assumption how sex is even gonna work between the two of you, right? Like you have to have that conversation. It needs to happen explicitly. And and so I think a lot of the same also apply like in a gay relationship where it's not um, like a, the, the standard um, typical relationship. So you, you need to have that explicit communication. Um, so gay relationships tend to be a bit more frank and candid. A lot more explicit is how I would describe it. Like you have to talk about it before you do it. You can't really like assume how it's going to work because you don't really know what the other person's situation is. Is that something that you like um, the sex stuff? Is that something you would suss out on Grindr before you ever met somebody? Or is that something you suss out in person? I imagine you can filter based on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually like a feel. Like, are you a top, a bottom, a verse? You know, like you can kind of right. put it all there. So, so like people know, um, you know, your position. But I, I personally like I have sex with another bottom. It's twenty twenty. God invented sex toys. Like you know, make it work, right? So I, I don't, I don't. I don't say no. I don't. I don't think that like I have to only have sex with the top. I could have sex with the bottom. That's what sex toys for. So, um. So okay. So just to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, May. Um. We have been just talking about um relationships or situations between you and one other person, but something that we had discussed before we recorded was. Uh, different kinds of relationships other than just monogamous relationships or just sexual relationships. It seems like there's a lot more variance in the queer community. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, like I think open relationship is a lot more common. Like one of my best friend is currently 
in a thruple relationship. So it's him and two other boys. Um, one of his boyfriend is actually a sex worker as well. So, uh, but the three of them are, you know, like in love and like the way they talk about each other, the way they, you know, like they are in a throuple relationship that seem to be pretty happy. Um, and that's probably something I don't see very common in straight people to like openly like, yeah, I'm in a relationship with these two other boys. Um, and there's also kind of like a much more like casual friends with benefit relationship. So I'm in a pack with other pups. I mean, like we, we kind of jokingly call ourselves a pack of pups, but, um, but I, I am in, uh, I have a group of friends who I am very open with sexually, um, as in like we may have sex with each other or sometimes have sex um, around each other. <laughs> You know, like with other people, yeah. you know, because it's, it's it's kind of like I don't want to go too deep into like my no. sex adventures, um, specifically on this topic. I'm happy to talk about it, but you know, just do not like deviate too far. Yeah, um, but just in terms of like, but, but in, in general, like there's, um, I know people who are kind of in a, a situation where you know you might have like a more general kinky relationship like a bdsm relationship where you have a dom and the dom has a couple of subs and all the subs are like friends and you know so there's like four or five of them in like the group in the house they call it the house um and then there's the pups which are called like the pack of pups um they're like in a pack together they have sex with each other um some of them might be hierarchical like you know they said the alpha pup the beta pup um and then, yeah, there's like the more kind of like, I guess, poly relationship, like in a standard sense, where you have um, open relationship, where you have two people who, you know, are in a relationship with each other, but also open to have sex with other people together or individually. Or you have like a throuple where you have three people who are in a relationship together in a pod. Um, so there's a lot of like variety and like variation. Um, what throuples may? Do you, right. do you may do you imagine like for in a throuple situation? Do you imagine that uh, the three people all being same sex makes it easier than if there's more than one sex involved? Because say it's like two women and a man. Like obviously the guy is different and special and that like that may create a power imbalance. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if both of the women are bi, that might work. So but, I, no, but no one's ex well, not no one. But even if you are bi, it, it's probably unlikely that you're exactly 50 50 split down the middle equal, right? You're probably somewhere to the right. Well, you, you might not. But I think that also I mean, like, if we're talking about sexual attraction, specifically, um, I, I would say no, but then like that's where open communication and consent is really important. When you want it to be in that kind of situation, you have to be able to openly and honestly discuss with your partner that like, I also find this other person attractive and I wanted to make sure that the three of us are in a successful relationship and what it's going to look like from my perspective is this is how I want to 
spend time with the two of you, like individually together as like you know a unit or whatever. And and it's about kind of like having that conversation. And everyone's gonna be a little bit different. And you know, like I'm gonna use my friend as um as an example. So he's in a throuple relationship. My friend is on you know a little bit of a medication for his mental health due to recent trauma. Um, working as a frontline worker, um, and his sex drive has gone down, and he had openly communicated that and and let his partner know and his partner understand, and they work around it. You know, the two of them, the other two who still have like more sex drive, they just go at it with each other a little bit more. You know, and and that's fine, and it's not that he's not as loved. It's just you know everybody has different level of needs, and they're openly communicating and they're in some way compensating you know like since we can't include you in our sex act we are going to make sure that we make time for you in some other ways because there's like the sexual attraction right and then there's other kind of things that also goes into relationship um like i would say for me like i don't have like a huge sex drive personally either like i i probably thrive more on like that emotional need like like pay attention to me is usually my thing. Um, <laughs> shower me with love. You know? So like if I ever find myself in a throuple and the other two want to go at it like three times a day, I would just be like, whatever. Just when you're done, come pay attention to me. And like, that's fine. Okay, but that's really interesting to hear you say that though, because you taught us a new phrase the other day, which was horny on Maine. <laughs> so I kind of call bullshit a little bit on you saying you have a low sex drive. Um, can you please explain to the kids at home what that means? So horny on Maine describe <laughs> people who may have multiple social media accounts on the same platform. So I also do, I have multiple um, Tumblr profiles, multiple Twitter profiles, and I have one is my main one, my primary one that has my face, and like a lot of my updates are intended for my friends and families, as well as like people that I've connected with, and that have an alt account that like are just my nudes, essentially, <laughs> like like this is where my nudes are, um, <laughs> and That's so great. describe when people just kind of like sort of like their sex drive is kind of taking over all of the social media presence. So now their main account is also like full of thirsty pictures and like all kind of like suggestive like texts and posts. Um, and so that's like, that's when they like become horny on main. <laughs> so you know, the main account, the main account kind of being taken over by their like sort of their alternative personality that they have like, mostly exclusively expressed on the alternative account. So they just get so horny that it just encompasses their it whole life. It just explodes. Life. <laughs> <laughs> now they just make their main account, their all account with <laughs> horny everywhere. It's <laughs> 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 horny on main. Um, like Jeff Goldblum slowly becoming the fly. <laughs> and I, so I have a few friends who who only have one Twitter account and then they have no place to like express their sexual drives or needs. Um, and so every once in a while their account would get really horny. And I can't check them in public transit. So like, you know, like when I, 
put on a blast on Skytrain. I don't want to scroll through Twitter and then like my friends like big pick or whatever just like pop up while a child is sitting next to me. So yeah, when my name, I have to like mute them. I have to like mute them from my tweet and like let it ride for a few days and then they're back to normal or whatever. And then and then them again. But I will say that like ever since this whole like COVID isolation start, everyone on my Twitter is just horny on me now. Like everyone is just horny all the time now. So well, social media public has stopped being a thing for me. But okay, so that's really funny that you say that that's happening on Twitter because I thought Twitter was like for politics. I thought this was like a Tumblr thing. You can post nudes on Twitter. I did not know you could post nudes on Twitter. Oh, Twitter is like probably one of the most permissive one because they are sex workers openly promoting and selling their porn yeah. on Twitters. Like Twitters is where the porn stars are. And I, in fact, I, one of the best Twitter accounts that I follow <laughs> Pornhub, Pornhub Twitter account, French Kiss. It was so good. Um, <laughs> I love. I and like I actually feel it's really funny because my main Twitter account, which when I first created it, had intended to be for making professional connection with our tech with other tech workers. So you know, I attend con- like lots of conferences, I give out talks. Um, at conferences to like other tech workers. So I would like put my Twitter handler up to kind of like, hey, you know, like, thank you for coming to my talks. You know, if you have any questions, just shoot me a message on Twitter or like, nice to meet you at this conference. Let's keep in touch, use my Twitter. Um, Because Twitter is really popular with the tech workers, but I also, because Twitter is the only platform you can also post adult content. That also mean a lot of my friends who are sex workers or who are interested in an open platform that allows adult content are also there. Um, So I would like to take this opportunity to publicly apologize to all the tech workers that follow me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what? I am not sorry from my perspective because like, I'm not just my work, you know, I'm like, I'm a lot. You're so, also. <laughs> I'm a lot. So, you know, this is but, um, but anyway, yeah, like Twitter is actually one of the more open when it comes to adult content. Um, Have you ever met someone from Twitter? Uh, I mean, I have, like through conferences and stuff. Like, um, I'll, meet, I'll, I'll meet someone and then we'll have like Twitter conversation. They'll refer me to somebody else on Twitter and then we'll chat and stuff. And then at the next conference, I'll get to meet them in person and stuff. So I've met like people that I've met on Twitter or mostly like, and then like meet in real life are mainly um, tech workers. Okay. So it's not like you can just foray Twitter into like a, like a dating app. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought we were still talking about my main account. (laughs) On my own account. uh, Yeah. It's a different story. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, how does one do that? Yeah, how do you do that? Teach us. Uh, Well, I mean, like, when, okay, so we talk about um, Grindr, we talk about um, Scruff, and then I've been on Tinder. I gave Tinder a try for a little bit. I gave Hinge a try for a little bit. May and I matched on Twitter, uh, on Tinder. Yeah. And we're like, like, how the fuck did this happen? And And it turns out, for whatever reason, I had my gender set to male. 
Imagine I did it when I was drunk. I think I did it to be an asshole. I think I saw it and I was like, I have to match this. I have to. Um, and and there are other. There's also other like kink specific. Um, I'm also a kink positive person, so I I am part of like a few kink community as well. So there's Fed Life, which is kind of like a fetish based dating profile type thing, a community building, I would say. Um, and then there's Recon, which is kind of a UK based kink dating app. Anyway, the reason I'm listing out all of this is that it's a lot of work to maintain all your photo galleries of nudes on all of these dating profiles. So it is so much easier to just be like, when someone asks you for nudes, just send them like your Twitter handler and just like <laughs> my Twitter, go check it out. It's public. Um, okay, if a guy did that to me, I would be horrified. And oh, I would go look at all those dick pics. No, I would. Oh, totally. I would, no, because when you get a nude from somebody, you want to believe, even though you know it's not true, you want to believe they took it for you. Even uh, though you know nobody did. Like, I don't give a shit if you took a dick pic for me, like you wrote your, my name on your belly or fucking some shit. Like, no, I just want to go, I want to go look so I can make fun of your ugly penis. No, I don't want to know that you sent it to 10 other people. I would, I would rather know you put it on Twitter for the whole fucking world than you specifically took it and sent it to ten people. I agree. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I'd like I I so anyway, I have quite a Twitter following on my alt account. Like I think I cross really? I cross over some impressive number for my standard. Like so, what? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say it out loud, but um, and like I've, I've actually like develop relationship like a friendship i guess i don't want to use a relationship it's a relationship in a non-specific way like a friendship with people in montreal in toronto um as well through twitter on my old account like we just like each other content we dm with each other a few times you know and like we chat and kind of keep in touch and like talk about kinky things um uh, it's actually like a really good way to like meet people it's just unlike your dating app, it's not location-based, so you might end up meeting people who aren't in your city. Oh, I see. Okay. Right? But like, I, you, know, you still meet lots of people. And that's true for my main as well. It's not for like dating purposes because I'm not, I don't try to find people to date on my main account. Um, but yeah, on my other account, like definitely I'm open to DMs or whatever. And, and people do message me and, you know, appreciate my contents and whatnot. Um, I do want to go back to like the dick pic um, comment really quickly. I, as open as I am um, with like, here's my nudes, like, you know, whatever you want to like see, it's out there. I still don't appreciate getting dick pic first. I, because I think it's kind of demeaning, like um, yeah. more than just sex. And I think it's important to be acknowledged as such. Yeah. So, like if people approach me nicely and just kind of like, hey, you know, like I want to get to know you. We've chat for a while, and like I find you attractive and interesting, and I want to see your nudes because you have sexual needs. Then I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like that's part of the deal, right? But when people approach you only for sex and nothing else, that feels a little bit different. That feels kind of like terrifying. Sure. Like if your opening line, and this is like my advice to people, like if your opening line is, can I see your nudes? <laughs> you 
then that's an immediate block for me because you haven't even acknowledged me as a person. Yeah. You're fetishizing me as your porn hub, which yeah. porn hub for that. So what? if someone wants pictures, this happened to me once. I matched with a guy on Tinder and he wanted me to send pictures. I'm like, dude, I'm not sending you nudes. And he's like, I don't want nudes. And he was very adamant and he kept asking for pictures, but also kept specifying he didn't want nudes. And I was baffled. Well, I mean, I just want a picture of like you in like, you know, out riding a horse. <laughs> this is me at my college graduation. Well, it's the same reason they want to see your um, Instagram account because they, they want to know that you're not like your your dating profiles, your five best pictures. They want 20 so they can make sure that you're going to be attractive when they get there. I also think it might be like a catfish thing. Like, yeah, we do yeah. ask for the Instagram account as well. And then I'll DM them on this Instagram account to confirm because then they can't really catfish you as easily. I mean, like they could, but it would be a lot harder. So generally I'll just be like, hey, you know, I also am on Instagram so we can create our Instagram account and then we can chat on there too, you know. So just yeah. for curiosity, May, how many accounts on different medias do you have? Uh, well, since Twitter... Oh, sorry. Since Tumblr banned porn, I kind of dropped. Tumblr. Oh, they did? Okay, that was my they next one. Um, so I'm mostly on Twitter um, and Instagram. And my Instagram is very much like my CrossFit training stuff. And like, You're not horny on the gram. Um, no, I am not. I am like the least horny on the gram because my Instagram is just me working out and me cooking. <laughs> Most of my story is just food. I love it. So my Instagram is mostly just me crossfitting and me eating. You're hungry on Maine. <laughs> on Maine. And then my Twitter is kind of a combination of like my shower thoughts, like funny things that I just like thought up and like, oh, people would find this funny. I'm going to post it. Um, so I have like that on Twitter and then like a lot of tech stuff. Like I post about my tech work and whatnot. Um, so those are like the two that I'm on. Yeah. And then for my, and then I just have like a second Twitter account for porn. That's sort of like the th main three that I'm like really like checking and putting effort into. Um, okay. But like scrap and grinder, you're not using really right now. No, just because you know I can't meet people anyway, so I just don't. Right. Yeah, don't bother with that. Um, and then, so sorry, just to kind of keep us moving a little bit here because we're getting kind of close to an hour. There was one more thing that we wanted to talk about with you. Actually, it kind of is two, but um, we'll just see kind of where that goes. You had mentioned a rejection story to us that actually went really well. And we were wondering if we could talk about that again. Um, yeah, I, I love I love telling people these stories because I okay. want both I want people to model your rejection after this, and also tell people and I did. you can you can expect better. Like you can't expect yeah. better. You don't have to be shit. So this guy I met, he's super hot, super cute. He, <laughs> I actually like I he looked he looked even better in person than in pictures. Like when I saw his picture, I was like, oh my God, he's so cute. I'm so excited, butterfly in the stomach. And then I saw him in person and I was like, I am not deserving of this. <laughs> like he <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that to him? 
a little bit. Like I didn't want to freak him out about my insecurities too hard. So I kind of like downplayed all those like, wow, I'm like so lucky to have you. Anyway, um, well, it was so cute. Um, anyway, like we met up, had sex because you know, that's how gay dating goes, had sex. Um, and it was really good. And then like we went out like a couple of times after that. And then I think it's like on the fourth time we hung out together, he took me out to a dinner. Um, it's like a pretty fancy place in Olympic Village. Um, and sat me down, we chat, we finished our dinner, we had like a really nice time just talking, you know, about what we're gonna do um, for the summer plan. And at the end of the evening, like on the walk back, he just sort of like, hey, and he paid for dinner too. He actually paid for my dinner that evening. And then on a, on the walk back to his car, um, at the bottom, I can't drive. Um, on the this, uh, he actually told told me that like, hey, he had a really good time uh, hanging out with me, but I'm just not what he's looking for in a long term partner. And um, and he apologized that like you know he wasted my time, his story, um, but he just wanted to be clear. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, I mean. I, I have never had someone told me that before in such a nice way. Like, it's not my first rejection, but, like, if it, nobody had ever rejected me so well. I was so impressed <laughs> that I, like, kind of paused, and I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to appropriately respond to this at this level of respectfulness. So I was kind of like, I, oh, okay. Oh, I'm like, sorry to hear that. <laughs> and I just, like, you know, like, I think we can still be friends and chat. Um, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we went with his car. He drove me home. He dropped me off. And, like, I got off. And, like, we waved goodbye. And then I messaged him, like, thanking him for paying for dinner. And, like, he, like, it was pretty impressive, like, that he paid for dinner, even though he's about to wake up with me as well, which I think was kind of, like. No, I don't think that's impressive at all. I think. That's what you do when you're about to dump someone. You buy them dinner. Like it's the least really? you do. I would be like, I don't care about this person. Like my perspective would be like, I don't care about this person anymore because I'm about to dump him. Yeah. So I, no. yeah. I agree. You can't dump. You can't like. I'm making you pay for your own dinner, and I'm dumping you. Like that's shitty. Yeah, but, uh, but me and I maybe date shitty people. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, um, I've got people off the story. Like it. He became my gold standard for, <laughs> for being dumb. I was like, if you're going to dump me and you don't at least dump me disrespectfully, you didn't deserve me in the first place. So because like it's not hard to do. It's not hard to be upfront and honest and direct. You can you can be courteous very easily without being rude or offensive. And people appreciate that. And people deserve that. Yeah. And like I stopped feeling bad about being dumped by people or being rejected by people ever since because I am so focused on how I'm being dumped now. <laughs> I'm being dumped. Like as soon as someone's trying to dump me or like after someone had dumped me, I would like the first thing that come to mind is I start comparing how they did and start scoring them. And like <laughs> Wow, your dumping score is so low. I guess you didn't really deserve me. And then stop feeling bad about being dumb. I'm just like, you know what? I'm better than this. So 
That's so funny. And when, okay, when everyone, when people choose not to do the respectful dump, they are, there are, there are reasons they chose not to. Yeah. And so essentially what it comes down to is the person is, is essentially saying my reasons for not wanting to do that are more important than your feelings and you walking away feeling, feeling respected. And that's fucking selfish. Yep. I mean, like, there's a lot of, you know, like, old sayings that kind of go along with mine. Like, you don't, you don't burn bridges. You always, like, leave the relationship in a positive way. Um, and and I think a lot of that can also apply to this kind of, like, intimate relationship as well. And I do judge people based on these things, like, how you treat people that you don't want to have sex with is a thing like a lot of people in the gay community unless you want to have unless they want to have sex with you sometimes they'll kind of treat you like shit you know yeah so and and i do judge people's character and i would say their moral value like i would outright just like you're not a good person i don't think you're a moral person because you can't treat people nice because you don't want to fuck them i agree i agree that it's based yeah. on character. Yeah, if so. you're if you're if you're a good person, it will be important to you to to treat people well and be kind and courteous and respectful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Mimi, that puts us like perfectly at an hour. Oh, um, I, I just want I just want to add one thing. Uh, just okay. So last night I was talking to some people, and some this is completely unrelated dating, but. Uh, something about pride fights and apparently pride fighting is like some Japanese mixed martial arts thing and I'm like that sounds like gay fight club and they were both like no it doesn't <laughs> what do you think man a pride fight but something that's called what pride fight that sounds kind of gay sounds like two drag queens beating the shit out of each other hey wait wait so there, there are like a lot of gay parties around the world um that are like you know very sex positive i'm gonna call it um and and at those parties i have seen um this like uh, inflatable pool filled with lube and then two clad men in the pool um, wrestling each other and, you know, sticking body parts into each other in this pool of loop on the street at a that's, festival. Yeah. And, and that's that is what I imagine a fight. That sounds so slippery. It stresses me out. Well, remember in old school? They had, they had loop by in old school. Oh, no, I don't yeah. remember. Mm. Um, anyway, mate, thank you so, 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 so much um, for coming on and giving us a really little tiny snapshot of your perspective. Um, but we want to make it clear to the listeners and to you too, like we already talked about that we would like you to keep coming back on. Um, it would be wonderful to have a recurring segment with you. Because there's so much we can talk there, there's about. Just yeah, like we've not even scratched the surface of and, and it's something that you and I cannot speak to at all, yeah, right? Exactly. So, yeah, and we want some of your stories. I know you have a lot of good stories, but we kind of just had to break the ice a little bit, I think, with this episode. Yeah, do some generals. And then yeah, we'll- I, feel, I feel like this story is a good intro, and then it's going to get raunchier and raunchier as we go. <laughs> yeah, strap in, everyone. I- <laughs> strap. Yeah, we're going to step on. And also, thank you, May, so much for your help um, sorting out our technical issues. 
Yeah, no so, problem. Yeah, we were having a difficult time figuring out how to do this distance. So May has set us up with a better solution. So bear with us. It might not sound totally perfect, but I think that this is going to be better than our Ray episode. But that could have been shitty because it was Ray. <laughs> it's just it's hard to know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, May, we miss you and we hope that you're having a fun pandemic. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna um I'm gonna hang us up for now, my friend, but we will keep in touch and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Right. Thanks for Somewhere having me. Oh, Denise just hogged the whole goodbye. Okay. <laughs> May, you get to say goodbye too. What are the rare viewers? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me and hopefully I'll get to be back on, on again soon. Absolutely. Okay, bye, May May. Bye.